0: This episode of The Hour on the Renewal Ministries Podcast Network is brought to you by ID. New sponsor? Not so much. I mean, it's it's a bit of a misnomer. ID is part of Renewal Ministries. But I wanted to highlight this particular outreach, not only because I'm the director of it and I'm excited about what we're doing, but because I wanted to expose all of you wonderful listeners to a, a broader breadth of what Renewal Ministry is about. So ID, we exist to form young adults into intentional disciples of Jesus Christ. Those are people in their 20s, 30s, married, single, with or without kids. We do this primarily by partnering with parishes around right now, the United States and Canada, to help raise up within their context, within their communities, a community of missionary disciples that are led by what we call spirit-filled leaders. Ultimately, that's where we feel like our primary investment needs to go is raising up and equipping spirit filled leaders. We've started an online course called the Spirit Filled Leader Intensive. We're halfway through the first one ever right now. It's going really well. If you want more information about who we are, what we do and why, you can go to our website. Full disclosure, the website's under construction. We're building a new one, so don't judge us, don't judge a book by its cover. Okay. There's a lot that needs to change about the website. But you can go to intentionaldisciples.com, intentionaldisciples.com to learn more about ID and how we might be able to bless your community. Today's guest on the hour is a very good friend of mine. His name is Joey McCoy. We went to high school together and college together, and we've had a lot of conversations over the years that are similar to the one you're about to hear, which uh, makes it fun. Uh, today we talk about a book that we read together called The Way of the Heart by Henry Nouwen. And in it, he examines the Desert Fathers and like their application to our lives today and how radically different they lived mission compared to the way we often live mission and he kind of pulls out three key points solitude silence and prayer and so joey and i talk about that we unpack it together joey is the director of the newest outreach of renewal ministries called zion focused on discipling and evangelizing young men who are in their high school and college years and uh just a wonderful brother a prayerful guy and I think you'll enjoy our conversation. And then after we're done, I have a few closing thoughts. And uh, that'll wrap up our show. Don't worry. We were socially distanced in his den. And the windows were open. And we were sitting far apart. And uh, But it was a good conversation. But before we get to that, my friend, Connor Flanagan. All right, we're here with Joey McCoy. Joey, thanks for coming on the hour. Here we are. This is fun. We're yeah. up in full disclosure. We're up in your upstairs prayer room. Study. Study. Yeah, yeah I like that better. Study. Surrounded by leather-bound books <laughs> and that rich smell of mahogany. <laughs> <laughs> it's just wonderful up here. And a lot of paperback books, too. A lot of paperback books, yep. Yeah. And uh, some good images on the wall. Just a good place to have a conversation. And actually, some place, some ways, a good place to have a conversation about Solitude, silence, because you can feel it in this room. And so uh, I invited Joey on because he, Peter Herbeck, and I read a book called The Way of the Heart together, uh, largely about the Desert Fathers and Henry Nowen's perspective on who they were and uh, the the role of solitude and silence, but then also how that ties to mission and fruitfulness and mission and and kind of juxtaposes that against how we typically do ministry Mm -hmm. and how the church is on this hamster wheel all the time and how these guys these men and women just did it differently mm. and how it was still incredibly fruitful. Mm. And so I wanted Joy to come on because, because of COVID and uh, quarantine and everything that we've been experiencing, a lot of us have been thrust into a certain desert isolation that can really lead a, one of two ways to even more isolation, despair, discouragement, and maybe less holiness and less mission, or can be a place where we can grow from it and, come out of this, whatever coming out means, to being more holy, more mission fruitful, and uh, more, more united to the Lord. And so uh, Joey has been living this as well as anyone I know and um, has been studying this. And so that's that's kind of the preamble to, to where our conversation wants to go. So to get to the first point, what when we talk about the Desert Fathers, let's just frame it for a second. Who are we talking about? Who were they? And why are they important at all? I mean, kind of rough time frame. Are these just a bunch of wackos? Or how does mm-hmm. how does this actually fit into our current moment?
1: Yeah, these were a group of mostly men, some women, um, but mostly men, who from the period of about like 250 to 400 uh, AD, kind of at the time when Christianity is becoming popular in the Roman Empire and then uh, officially accepted and then the official religion, um... People, everyone wanted to run to the desert. Um, Not everyone, but many, many people wanted to run to the desert to um, seek, to to flee the world, to seek after God. Um, Because now that Christianity was accepted and many people were Christian who all of a sudden were not really Christian and it became socially advantageous. um, uh, They were, I guess, I guess Christianity always seeks the sort of... um, uh, it, it seeks to flee the world in some way. It must flee the world. Um, and so th- to do that spiritually, these guys were doing that physically. Um, and, and follow, a lot of them following a call, like you know, Saint Anthony or Saint Arsenius, uh, Saint Macarius, um, all these guys were Roman, uh, well, not, not Roman, not all of them were Roman. Some of them were Roman guys who were um, uh, like this guy Saint Pacomius, who <laughs> was a like total, staunch roman legion legion uh, you know, not, i don't know what word to use but warrior who just heard the call of god to go into the desert and eventually like these it's the beginning of monasticism it's the beginning of christian monasticism and everything that uh, has come after in the in the church in terms of monasticism find its finds in some in some way it's uh it's wellspring and fountainhead right there
0: yeah it's ironic that the, as Christianity becomes acceptable mm-hmm. that people feel the need to flee right when the inverse of that is when it's not acceptable and persecuted Christians yeah. often felt the need to stay right and be right in it right, right, and right not flee you know it's like it's the beatitude right
1: blessed are those who are persecuted for mm-hmm. righteousness sake and if that doesn't happen because of the place you're living in like China nowadays or whatever you know or in some ways are, you're living in our our society causes a certain kind of persecution as well, um, but uh, what there's some quote I think from Saint Jerome. He says, "Never trust too too long a tranquility. Hmm. Um, nothing is more is worse for a Christian than to not be persecuted," which is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, Saint Paul in uh, was it First or Second Timothy says. Um, uh, my son, indeed, all who, who wish to follow uh, Christ in a godly life will be persecuted. Yeah. You know, this is, and of course, because this is, to be a Christian is to be a little Christ. It's to be following in the way of the master. And he, um, you know, it's not persecution for persecution's sake. It's just um, the world rages against God. Yeah. And to be of God is to make some very bad enemies. And it's to be swimming upstream. Encountering rapids and all that kind, and and I think these guys are people who, uh, the Desert Fathers are guys who who discovered. um, In some ways, they discovered that as they went. In some ways, they kind of knew that, and they knew they they, so they knew they had to choose to do this.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting. I'm sure there was a something stirring within them, like um, almost like we don't belong here. Yeah. Where this culture is going, where our society is going, we don't quite fit. Yeah. Or probably the, the other side of that temptation would be like, oh, I could see myself fitting very comfortably into this. Yeah, 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 right. Oh, gosh, I, the, the world is far more even attractive to be a part of now. Right. Because I, I'm not being thrown to the lions or I'm not, you know, right. all, all of a sudden it's easy to be a Christian. Yeah. Therefore, something stirs up in them and goes, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something's off.
1: Right. Yeah. It's like whenever you're experiencing internally that it's easy to be a Christian, beware Hmm. Beware. Um, and that's not, you should, you shouldn't go looking for hardship for hardship's sake or shouldn't go, right. look, but, uh, yeah, the call of the Lord is one out into the desert, you know, uh, for all of us in some way into some kind of desert, just like it was for, you know, the, the great image of the, uh, of, of, of the church in the old Testament, the Israelite people, right? Yep. Um, they, they are a people living 400 years in slavery and then marvelously rescued from it to wander in the desert for 40 years and then make it to the promised land. So all these stages are all, they're all part of the church's thing that we stand in and, and, and must live, uh, right now. And I think it, there's another com- component to it too, that the, the, um, the call, uh, the call to be a Christian, the call into Jesus, um, is first and foremost, a contemplative call. Hmm. It, it is a, it is a call to live the contemplative life. It is it is a call into living in another world, um, while you're also living v- very well in this world, you know, um, and that is yeah that's something that um, there's there's a vastness within us that we that is can and most peoples is largely untapped right it's a vastness that that is God hmm. um, as all of us exist in Him you know uh, by existing we just it's just because we exist in him, that we exist. And um, uh, it's, it's, in fi- it's in finding solitude, and it's in finding silence and prayer, I- ironically. And it, you know, this doesn't mean, uh, sometimes this, this, this happens best in, in a community with other people, right? But still solitude, silence, and prayer in, in a community with other people, like a lot of monasteries. Um, it's, in, it's in this where we begin to discover Uh, what we are as human beings, um, the depth of what we are, the, the, the vastness of, we begin to discover God and in discovering God, we discover ourselves in a brand new way. Um, so yeah, it's first and foremost, a, 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 a a contemplative call. It's, it's a call to turn our face towards God and seek his face so that his face, his face might, um, you know, to kind of put this in maybe hopelessly poetic language, but like that his face <laughs> might actually give us our face, yeah. you know, over
0: time. Yeah. And so would, would that be your definition of contemplation then?
1: Contemplation? Um, I guess the, just to make it simple, the contemplative life is the call to prayer. Okay. Right. Um, uh, first, first and foremost. And of course there's other things, you know, prayer is going to require at least in some measure, solitude and silence. It's yeah. not the only way of praying, but it's going to require some of that. Um, and I, I, I think in some ways, being a contemplative is, um, is the call, is is a call to to your eyes and to your ears. Um, but like, uh, man, in some book in here, there's a quote from. It's right there from Saint Basil the Great, who wrote one of the first rules of monastic living. And he says, we must come to discover that there are eyes and ears to our soul that are deeper and more potent than the eyes and ears we see right here. Hmm. And they see and hear things that are more potent um, than we can see and hear with these eyes and he- ears right here. So um, so if the contemplative life is the call towards, uh, uh, towards gaze- looking. This is towards like, Lord, help me to see. Um, help me to come to see you because um, that's what I'm made for, right? The beatific vision, as it's, as it's described by the doctors. Um, and that's not something that we're merely just meant to put off until heaven. We're actually meant to begin now to start growing in that. So it's really to, to it is in silence and solitude and in prayer. Um, the reason we do those things is, is so that we actually come more and more to being able to see God and therefore be united with him. And, um, and to be able to hear him, right? And therefore, be able to know how to live in him and be united to him, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's one of Pope Benedict's definitions of uh, conversion is mm. to see. Yeah, a, a illumination. Illumination, a yeah. new way of seeing, right? Right. right. Um, contemplation is not a normal word in the sense of, I yeah. don't hear that a lot. Yeah. Even yeah. in church, honestly. I mean, yeah, like yeah. John Paul II called us contemplatives in action and everything. But I don't know how many... Quote unquote normal Catholics would work walk through their life, kind of thinking about how I can become contemplative. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of a two part question there. Like, there's no question a prayer life mm-hmm. is fundamentally essential. So, what does what what does what does a prayer life require? And then, what does the world offer that would come against what a prayer life would require? Does that make sense? So, like, yeah, it, Clearly yeah. the prayer life yeah, needs sense. to be developed and there's something about what the fathers felt like, or the, the desert fathers needed to go to a desert to acquire a deeper prayer life. Yeah. yeah. So what was it about the world that they were saying, I need to flee from yeah. in order to have this this prayer life, yeah. this contemplative life?
1: Yeah. Um, great questions. I think my um, initial stab at that would be... Um, uh, we, we, there's attachments, Okay. there's attachments that we have, uh, therefore loves that we have and, and kind of, uh, love determines your vision, right. In, in a lot of ways, right. Uh, um, you're only granted access to seeing something that you love. Hmm. I, w- I think like Augustine would say something like that. Right. Um, and like
0: seeing something for what it truly is.
1: Yeah. You'll only ever know something if you if you love it. Got it. Um, and you will only probably you only love something because you know it. Yeah. Right. I was you just know? thinking that. Yeah. Yeah, but um, but definitely, there's no way to know God unless you just try to love Him. You know, there's no way to know other per- another person, um, really, unless you unless you have some initial modicum of love for them. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, Yeah, the, um, the, certainly the the attachments of the world, the noise of the world, obviously the, the busyness, um, uh, like it says, our God is a God of not a God of disorder and confusion, but a God of peace. And so he is the peaceful one and he's found by us trying to seek after peace. That's very often how the Hmm. desert fathers, uh, term it as well. That's how they talk about it. Yeah. So, um, I know for myself personally, there was, um, like in, you know, high school and college, I was very much into the Catholic thing. Um, I was always one of the religious guys, you know? Um, but there were definite things in my life that were total idols, like being a doctor or just being just worldly ambition and being successful. It, it just killing it, you know, yeah. in, the, in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would have never thought they were actually idols. But, geez, they were. And uh, it it took a long... It took like God really bringing me a period of significant, odd, you know, small to the outside eye, but very significant suffering that actually made me just start to cry out to Him more, made me able to pray more, oddly enough. Um, and it actually brought me to a place of really bringing like bring me into just a contemplative immersion where like that was, um, that's the main part of my life. You know, the, the, the call to seek after God's face to seek union with God. Um, all, all, all of these things, it's, it's that the world is distracting. There's illusions and it. it's very easy to be deceived. It's um, there's, there's falsity, you know, that's, even though there's a lot of good things in the world, but the world is essentially, There's something, some part of the world is our enemy. It's one of our three enemies, right? The world, the flesh and the devil. Um, So there's just fog that it helps to step back from. Kind of like when you're, if you're living in a city, especially like a really grungy city and there's tons of pollution and you go into the mountains, it's just for a week and it's just different. And all of a sudden you're just able to do things better and it's invisible. Why is this happening? But it's just the proof's in the pudding. Yeah. Um, I think, and this this isn't like to say that everyone should do what the Desert Fathers did or everyone needs to join a monastery, right? It's um, the contemplative call is the call for lay people. In fact, uh, this was a lay movement. The Desert Fathers they were mm. almost all laymen. Wow. Um, which is interesting. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's some of the stuff in the world that we need to flee because our flesh is weak and it wants it. It wants approval yeah. from the world. It wants to fit in. It wants what the world has to offer. It's very seduced by it. Um, and uh, you know, the, the contemplative life is not this thing aside from uh, living under the Lordship of Jesus. Right. You know, so right. that's the, it's the call of a disciple. That's what these, these guys are trying to follow their master wherever he is so that they might be one with him. And if you're living in a place where it's just super easy, uh, if you're living under the influence of the world, it's gonna become very hard to follow Jesus, you know? Yeah. And therefore you will not, you know, you, you will not grow in prayer. So there's certain things you have to, if your hand causes you to sin, you have to cut it off. Yeah, right, you know? yeah, right. And that's what I think a lot of these guys were in a very radical way. You know, this is not normal Christian life. Yeah. And, and that's okay, um, but there's a lot they can teach those who are trying to live it in a more ordinary way.
0: Right, and I think that's. Oh no! Phone call. A phone call. Oh, cool. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> See the distracting. Yeah, there you go. That's perfect timing for yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, help, help. So the book, *The Way of the Heart*, Henry Nowen pulls out the three kind of principles of solitude, silence, and prayer. Yeah. Uh, we we've somewhat touched on prayer there, but I think we gotta define better. Mm. What we mean by solitude and silence, largely because what the traditional definition of solitude or silence might be yeah. is not necessarily aligned with the eyes and ears of the heart that you talked about. Yeah. Like we're talking about a soul. There's a there's a physical silence and a yeah. physical solitude yeah, yeah. that are real. Right. But there's a contemplative silence, a contemplative solitude, right? Uh, a spiritual version of those things that are probably yeah. more important. Like the idea that how can we re- maintain even solitude and silence yeah. in the necessary busyness of a father, a mother, or a right. college student, something like that. So right. could you just unpack a little bit of what now in and your interpretation of now is of solitude and silence? And then, then mm-hmm. we can start to how that would actually apply for yeah. the quote unquote normal person. Because I, I agree with you. We're not all called to go out into the, you know some actual desert Serengeti yeah yeah. Serengeti (laughs) I was trying to come up with one I couldn't think yeah um but but most of the time the radical people in the church are revealing principles that are fundamental to everyone
1: yeah they're prophetic exactly yeah um solitude I think what that means because yeah it can sound like that's kind of a downer yeah why am I supposed to be alone I don't want to be alone yeah Yeah. it could sound like I'm an extrovert it could sound very individualistic (laughs) Uh, sort of like a John Wayne sort of thing, you know, right. like the cowboy. It's just better for me to be
0: alone. Right, Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so I, it's it's not it's not that. It's actually it's actually the pursuit of of relationship. Um, it is essentially not just a being alone, but the capacity to actually be alone with God, hmm. which is a very different thing, and actually something we're not going to know how to do unless we have certain times of being physically alone hmm. because yeah, I that's totally been true in, in, in my life that, um, I used, used to have times of, it didn't kind of needed to always be with people need to be always doing something needed. Um, and if ever I didn't have a moment like that, this is all of a sudden like this, you just, there's like this, uh, ear ringing hmm. in your soul that you can notice. So you're just, I got to distract myself from that, you know? Sure. Um, so, yeah, there's a quote in one of these Desert Father books where um, one of these guys says, um, except that a man shall say in his heart, I alone and God are in this world. He shall not find peace. So we shall not find peace unless we actually get to a place um, of, of being able to live from and say, um, it is, yeah, I, I and God are alone in this world. And that can sound very somewhat off putting in terms of like how am I supposed to relate to other people? Mysteriously, as we get more and more to that place, we become an exceptionally better lover of people. Yeah. And way way more naturally with them because they're not we're not possessive of them or possessed by them. Um but it is I alone and God who are in this world. And um therefore I'm I'm as God more and more to all these other people hmm. in the best sort of way. I am, I am able to be a, a friend, you know, a, a, a true friend. So that's something of what, uh, some, something of what solitude means there, I think. in yeah. And it lays, it lays us bare. Something about, uh, about beginning, especially beginning to step into it, it very much lays us bare. It exposes us. Um, it exposes our, our finitude, our weakness, the fact that God is the one who is, and we are the one who is not. And I exist right now only because it's like a singer singing a song, you know, that song is very dependent on the singer and yeah. that's me. And, uh, to see the, to come before that abyss is a, is a, this, it can give you some vertigo, Yeah, especially in the beginning of trying to do it, you know, but, um, uh, but it's, it's essential. It's, it's essential to really, it's kind of, it's a bit of, it's a bit of just responding to the call, come follow me. Hmm. You know, uh, those, those 12 that he said, come follow me to really, uh, went out into a certain solitude with Jesus, right? Just alone with him where they were, and it, it, it's that solitude that is purifying. Yeah. Um, Under guidance and all of that, we should probably say, you know, it's not good to just willy-nilly, you know, I shall ascend to the heights now. Um, We should do this patiently and prudently and all that, but it is an essential type of call. And and it's not
0: necessarily permanent in the sense of there are going to be times when you're physically with others, of course. yeah, And then there are times where, but the point is the default of our modern culture is around other people. Yeah. Noise, constant right. distraction, constant entertainment, all of right. those things. That's the default. Right. It's not gonna be hard to fill in with those things. Yeah. Yeah. So without intentionality to create yeah. solitude, we could go large stretches of time without ever really being alone with our thoughts. Yeah. And right. a lot of people don't want to be alone with their thoughts. Exactly. They're that... they're self medicating to avoid that. Exactly. Yeah? Right. And that
1: that reve- that reveals in and of itself the deep need for this and the reason why it's important because hmm. we're a mess <laughs> and we need God to sort us out. And myster- God is the great silent one in a lot of ways, right? Uh, have you ever heard God's voice like you're hearing mine right now? You know, right? No, no. Yet he's supposed to be the most important relationship uh, we have. And he, not only that, he is the person, you know, and that's a very mysterious thing. Right. And, but it's a the call to find God is a call into silence, you know, into, into, into that, towards that silent one. And, uh, it is he who his silence is a silence of order, right? It's not a silence of loneliness, of course. Right. Um, it's a it's a powerful, orderly, peaceful, pure type thing. And it, when we immerse ourselves into it, we become those things more and more sets us in place.
0: I feel like for me, a lot of times, um, silence is, you say silence is a silence of order like proper silence with the lord is is ordered uh, and peaceful for me it's, it it very often feels like silence is a, is just distraction it's just mm. a different form of distraction mm. where i'm i'm sitting in silence and now my brain is freed up in some ways yeah yeah because it's not looking at something else not listening to something else and then it's then it's then then my thoughts just go like flipping haywire you know yeah, it just yeah, goes yeah. It goes crazy so, any um anything you've learned in as you've entered into solitude, whether it's this COVID time or just in general, but as you've entered into more solitude, because there's a pattern there, like like without solitude, we're probably never going to get into silence with the Lord, and without yeah. silence, we're not going to enter into full prayer and right, communion right. with Him. There's a right. there's a flow to that. Yeah. So um, tips tricks. I don't know. Some hows of how you've Prayer seen it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one hundred and one ways to <laughs> yeah, right. enter into silence, you know. Uh, or do they have any wisdom for it? I'm sure they've silence. had to talk about it. The the Desert Fathers had to know that yeah. what they were demonstrating and and teaching would not have just been easy for people. So they yeah. have to have some sort of insight as to how to yeah. do this, you know.
1: No, it's a it's like a classic experience. The mo- the moment you try to do this, your thoughts go nuts. Yeah, and the moment they try to oh there's constant stories of younger desert fathers going to older desert fathers as they're just starting out. And they're like, okay, I'm countering this and you know, the old, the old wise ones sit back and, um, very often they just counsel patience. Hmm. And remember, this is a work of God uh, that, uh, God, God must accomplish something here. Uh, we are fundamentally nothing. Hmm. And all we, all we can give God is our yes. And, and that's basically it, you know, and that yes, that yes is not just like, it's, it's a, it's an everyday thing and it's a striving sometimes, you know, that yes. And it, it calls a lot out of us. It's not a, um, it's, it's, it's not a passive thing in the bad sense of the word. It it is a passive thing, but it's not a disengaged thing. It's an intentional passivity. Yeah. It's a very active passivity. Yeah. Um, but it is a, re- it is a reception, right? And and no one shows this, that this is the call of the church better than Mary, right? Um, receptivity before God. Um, so yeah, in terms of silence, solitude and silence, they very much teach that it's, it's a, it's a gift to be, to be one, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, notice that it's like, it's a gift, but it's to be one. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, both of those things and yeah so there there really are no i don't think there are many life hacks other than that there, there's some you know uh some better ways to try to answer into silence than others but I don't, I don't none of them come to my mind right now um i'm I'm sure one would be uh you know have if, especially at first if one is just just trying to have more silence in life um You know, have like some kind of rule about how you're going to try to do this, you know? Yeah, right.
0: Um,
1: Or, yeah.
0: Well, it's one of the things we've talked about before. It's like, people want to know, like, how do I have more silence in your life? Yeah, how? We just obsess over the how How? Well, well, just let's think about that for a second. Like, how much do you listen to music? Yeah. How much do you watch Netflix? Right. There's like, when you actually take an audit of your life and what you do with your time, you're like, oh, well, actually there's, there's a reason why I don't experience solitude and silence because I'm yeah. always around people and I'm always distracting myself with something. <laughs> yeah. So you want to know how? Like, don't do those don't, things. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like, it's, yeah. it's actually kind of as simple as that. Like, yeah. you don't need to super overcomplicate it. Like, right. uh, most of us are smart enough to think through yeah. the decisions we make through our day. Do they correspond with our end goal? Yeah. But yeah. a lot of times we just never take the time to actually think through that. Yeah.
1: Um, here's... Well, one one, one yeah. thing also... Um, is not to get discouraged by when one is in silence by distraction or by, um, our thoughts being our mind, just being like a racing, racing horses that we just can't control. Um, they, they, like we are not, we are not our thoughts in a certain way. Um, we are the thoughts we choose, but we are not, we are not just whatever happens to pop into our head. Um, we're, we're deeper than that. And so, um, We need never be, once we notice we're distracted, okay, great. Try to come back to the point of why you're trying to be silent, you know, or, um, but in a lot of ways, those are things that, uh, it's so easy to get discouraged about. And and I just can't do this. I just can't. It's like, that's the experience of everyone who tries to do this and, and who can, who can tame the human mind? You know, it's like only that's a project for God. It's the giving him, giving him the time of silence, just the amount of minutes Itself is an offering, yeah. You know that that becomes the altar upon which uh, heaven meets earth for you
0: more and more. You know. Yeah, and this action is so uh, radically countercultural. Yeah. And it and it just so you said giving him the minutes, whether that's ten, an hour, two hours, whatever, is still like in an, an expression of a countercultural, properly faith. rebellious faith. Yeah. That says, like, I'm in this world but I'm not of it. Yeah. And I and I'm recognizing that. Right, you know.
1: And it also, uh, to get back to the point of all this, it also says, I want God. Right. You know, and
0: more than anything else. More
1: than anything else, I want God. And the the the, the church teaches me this is the way, mysteriously so, I have no idea how, but this is the way towards finding him. Yeah. and being found by him in a more complete way. You know, so it, it is a way of of sacrificing oneself, sacrificing one's preferences for what do I love? what do I actually want in this world? And that's the point of all the solitude, silence, all prayer, all of it is is um, I want God and i and, and I want him to take me mm-hmm. you know and I want to be united with him, I want to be one with him, me and I and him and he and me, you know um, that's the whole point of all of it
0: right, right yeah, and in a time when uh some of the sacramental life or the traditional markers of prayer yeah are not as available it kind of illustrates even more importantly why yeah these these habits and these practices yeah. are need to be part of the christian's life right right because the communion that the desert fathers had with jesus is is uh, at an epically profound level yeah even though yeah, even though the sacraments were, were a different part they had yeah. a different relationship with the sacraments back then. You know, right, there's right, a lot right. of different ways that it was handled and you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. All that. But so um, you know, the the show, the hour is partially about what's happening in this time and how we're called to respond to it and all that. And so I think mm-hmm. what we just talked about, if you <laughs> if you're listening, you can't figure out how that applies to our current hour, then listen again, because I think there's a lot to <laughs> yeah. unpack for our time in quarantine. But there's um I want to shift focus slightly with the time we have remaining. These desert fathers also became known as incredibly fruitful evangelizers. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Right. They made disciples and spread the gospel as effectively as anybody. Yeah. By separating themselves from the world. By like right. leaving mankind behind. Yeah, the world the, came to them. The world came to them. Yeah. What does that mean? What does that say to you? Mm. Uh, is that a unique thing that happened with them? Or in some strange way is every saint that we've ever held up in esteem for being a, a disciple maker actually living out that those same principles but in the call, the unique call that they've had for their yeah. life.
1: Uh, yeah. So, I think it's it's living out the great command of Jesus on, at the Last Supper, the John 15, to abide in me. Um, if, if you do not abide in me, you can bear no fruit. And if you do abide in me, you will bear much fruit. And the the word abiding is a, is a good one. It's not, it's not like, um, if you have a prayer time, amidst all the other things you're doing, you'll bear much fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah God. God's going to do something with that. He'll work with that. God is merciful, but it's, it seems pretty clear to me from the lives of the saints, def, these saints included that no, we're meant to be like this. We're meant to be Mary first and, and, and not just a Martha who prays, you know, but, um, we're meant to be contemplatives first, right? And then out of, our, out of our contemplative life of just living with God and not just living with him, but actually mysteriously entering into him, becoming him more and more. This is what the spirit wants to do um, that the, the church fathers taught over and over again. Um, we, the, out of that arises the way in which we're meant to be active hmm. and thus bear fruit. Um, so yeah, I think every, uh, it, you know, uh, it's, I'm, I'm sure there might be one except, but I think basically every saint that I can think of. And that is, this is what's so impressed me about them recently is that that's exactly how they live. They, they, um, they are first and foremost, they're just obsessed with God, hmm. you know, and, and they want to, they want to live by nothing but faith, hope, and love. Love of him, faith in him, believing in him, obedience in him, you know, fidelity to his word, and then a radical hope in him of just what's possible for me in this life, mm. you know, because he's good. And this, like, there was the good news for them, you know, and they lived into that, you know, they weren't, um, even guys like Ignatius of Loyola, you know, famously organizers conquering men, you know, um. He, for years, for like two decades, basically, uh, put all of that on pause and, and had very few structures. He had no structures. He had no kind of operation that he was running and gearing up and deploying, right? He just tried to immerse himself in God. And there's actually some great, uh, this book that I have in front of me that I was hoping to read from other other examples. So St. Philip Neri, um, who actually himself, Uh, once found a book of the Desert Fathers um, as he was living in Rome. And here's a guy, maybe I just won't read from this, I'll try to talk about it, but he's a guy who came to Rome and he was 19, and uh, for the next 16 years, he lived in someone's attic and and tutored his two sons, not not Philip's sons, but the the sons of the guy who had, had the house. And for that, he got a bag of flour a week, and he would just make himself a constant kind of... Walking around Rome, engaging with people, he met very amiable guy, l- lovely lad, you know, <laughs> famously joyful. Actually, Saint yeah, Philip goofy. was goofy, joyful, um, just a normal dude. Uh, and I'm sure you know, like acts. Uh, it's it's not like he purposely didn't do any Christian acts whatsoever. You know, sure, not right. that, like the these 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 little seeds are falling off of him all the time, probably right. But um, his. Main, it was an effort for him not to pray. And his, for this, for 16 years, he just tried to entrench himself into God, which really led to certain like big things happening to him, basically like bring, being brought into the spiritual marriage, stuff like that, where, and then when he was 36, sorry, 35 or 36, somewhere around there, he became a priest. And then slowly after that, over the course of the next couple of years, he, this movement starts swelling around him, especially of young men in Rome, um, that brought a, a city that was, had just been totally trashed and demoralized by the French. And half of its population was lost or something like that, maybe a third. Um, and, you know, the ravages of being conquered happened to that whole city. It's just like Rome, which doesn't often live as a Christian anyway, yeah. um, All it was brought back in a, a radical way to Christian living. And, and in some ways was never the same for a long time almost single-handedly because of St. Philip Neri. And he didn't go about seeking any of that. What he sought was to seek God and God alone. And something unbelievable started to sprout from it. Just like a tree, right? A tree's not trying to actually bear fruit. It's trying to dig its roots deeper and spread its leaves out to the sun. That's what it's trying to do, and the fruit comes as a byproduct. Hmm. Um, St. Thomas More uh, is another example of a guy who had like ludicrous amounts of talent and and would would go on to just like the list of his accomplishments is staggering right and um when he was i think around the same time like 19 or so he joined the carthusians for four years which is you know not just a monastery like you went to bury worldly ambition there you it was it was like extreme extreme monasticism yeah yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) talk about solitude and silence you know and uh, but it was those things that formed him, and he actually lived. He took a lot of those things and harnessed them into living it in a certain lay kind of way with his family. That's just so beautiful when you mm. read about it, and was able to actually hold him steady through what was a lot of storms that were going to come. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. But so many of these saints, for even a long time, they pursue. Uh, they pursue God, and what that looks like, what it really starts to look like over and over again, in in all these different countries and all these different times in history is the pursuit of solitude, silence, prayer, not just those things, right? But, but they are, um, they are a a
0: very, very key marker. Hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think you're, you're right. When you said, uh, a lot of, a lot of times we, we treat this as like, I have a prayer time and then I go do. Yeah. yeah, as opposed to this perpetual abiding that even as I'm doing, yeah, in a way I'm only doing what the the Father commands me to do, as Jesus yeah. said, right. So he Jesus never stops abiding with the Father when he's out preaching,
2: right, right. It,
0: it, it like you can't almost create the separation there. Yeah. If there's a there's a, a symbiotic relationship between the two. Um, yeah, and I I do think like. It's, sometimes it's just hard for the modern mind and the maybe American, the American especially, yeah, yeah, consumeristic, but also what are your deliverables, right? To say it can easily feel like what am I really doing? Mm-hmm. What if if I'm not accomplishing? If I'm not producing? If I'm not right. creating? If there's not tangible things I can point to as like yeah. end product? Yeah, yeah. Then what's and the that's
1: point? Ex- that's exactly the words to use. I think I think the the distinction that's really helpful for me at least is. Uh, the difference between being productive and being fruitful. yeah and the different like those are very easily seen in terms of how a machine and a factory makes products and what a tree does. And the former, the machine, the factory has to be very noisy and very busy. And usually it's gonna, there's gonna be a lot of stress then on that things. So those things are gonna be breaking, you got to fix them and yeah. um, uh, but this is this is this is trying to be productive. And the things that you're gonna produce then, are going to be consumed and then thrown away Mm -hmm. and they're actually they're lifeless in and of themselves they are life they cannot reproduce themselves right um so if we look but if we look at a tree everything is very different a tree is silent uh a tree is actually uh, there's a solitude to a tree it's always just one tree right <laughs> uh there's not another tree inside or you know yeah. it's around other trees right like the call to solitude for most of us is still yeah, it's, it's still a amongst, forest yeah, yeah. it's a, still a forest it's still amongst other people um but uh there's a lot of silence to it and apparently I, I remember reading somewhere that a tree every day uh sucks up through its roots about a million gallons of water and evaporates about a million gallons of water through its leaves and you don't hear a thing jeez and trees are what make like the the the, the by bi- the uh, whereas a machine makes exhaust, right, right. If we try to be productive, it's actually, it's just not going to go well for certain people in our life. Yeah, there's going to be exhaust to it. Yeah, um, there's going to be something, some fumes. But a tree, what when it just does its thing, what is what what's its exhaust? Oxygen. So as life. the tree life, yeah, um, and then the fruit obviously is, is is there's life in it, there's power in it. It can re the tree can reproduce itself. Um, once again like I said as a byproduct by just trying to dig in its roots and because it knows someone brought this part of the analogy to me as well one time because it knows that eventually it's digging its roots super deep because it knows that's where it's going anyway yeah one day it's going to be going right back there
0: that's awesome
1: you know isn't that yeah, great that's yeah, good. that yeah. was not mine that was from someone else but um, yeah the difference between being being a factory yeah the, the productive mentality the uh, the uh this sort of business oriented mentality is just super soaked into Americans. We are activistic. Yeah. Right. Very right. much so. Right. And there's of course some, some good in that. But, um, if we, if we live from our activity first and not from the renewal of our mind, um, then it's just going to be our will dragging our mind around. We're, we're backwards. Yeah. You know, we need to be living from the renewal of our mind that our will can then
0: step into. Yeah. Well, this is fun. Very fun. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. I'd like to come back to your the study. The study is well yeah, used this, for this. This, yeah. this is uh, a <laughs> very appropriate space to, to have this conversation. I'm sure we'll talk yeah. again about something. Thanks for doing this, Joey. Yeah, absolutely. That was Joey McCoy, and I uh, thoroughly enjoyed that conversation as I hope it, it came across. Lots of just interesting uh, angles that, that kind of emerged as we were talking about solitude, silence, prayer, and how that relates to our current moment, which is Really, the whole point of this podcast, right? The hour, how uh, does the eternal truths of the church and what the Lord has revealed to us impact us today? And how do we move through uh, these days that we're living in? I wanted to close this episode with just a a quick word on a verse that's been um, just pulsing on my heart. It's from the book of Colossians. If you haven't read Paul's letter to the Colossians, I highly recommend that you do. I mean, I basically highly recommend that you read the Bible every day. Um, You should do that. But uh, if you're looking for a a book, maybe one that you haven't dove into before, Colossians is a great one. His, the first chapter is, you just, as I was reading it, I just felt like you just get a taste of Paul's zeal for Jesus, his heart for the Lord, his, his passion for what the Lord has called him to, where he just kind of starts bubbling over. He just, You can just kind of feel it in him as he begins to write about Jesus. He kind of can't contain himself. And it's just this really beautiful um, kind of it just it just like builds. It's like this growing wave as Paul writes about Jesus and who Jesus is. The more excitement he has, the more enthusiasm he has. And then he culminates it with the verse I want to highlight. But in verse 15, he starts talking about who Jesus is. Uh, well, he in, even before that, but in verse 15, he starts kind of describing Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All authority he is before all things, and in him, all things are held together. He is the head of the body of the church. He's just, he's the beginning and the end. You can just kind of feel it. It's like, just kind of building within him. This is this is Jesus. This is who we serve. This is the one who appeared to me. This is the one that I, I fell in love with. Oh, and it's like, so I can rejoice in my sufferings. And he, and, but then he culminates at this, this last verse in the, um, in the first chapter of Colossians, verse 28. Him we proclaim, Jesus we proclaim. Let's just let's start there. We have to remember as Christians, what we're proclaiming is, is Jesus. He is the lens by which we view everything else. We see differently as we were talking about with Joey because of him. It has to start with recognizing who he is. And you can see it in Paul. He's like, I've just described Jesus for you. That's who we proclaim. Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man mature in Christ. Another way to describe that is through admonishments and encouragement and through correction and support. Uh, leaders are called to help each person come into full maturity in Christ. And what is that? That's holiness, that's transformation. That's that what Joey was talking about. Through contemplation and through action, we are so grafted into Christ that we we become him in a, in a mystical way. That we, we live so completely in his love and in his power that uh, we decrease and he increases so that at the end of our lives, the father sees the son as we stand before him in judgment. Full holiness, full maturity and then he closes the first chapter in colossians with this for this i toil so what does he toil for fi-? what what why does paul toil it's hard to say why does paul toil to proclaim jesus to warn every man to teach every man in all wisdom so that we may present every man mature in christ the salvation of souls for this i toil striving with all the energy which he mightily inspires within me what inspires paul Jesus, but Jesus gives him the energy he needs, the power he needs to fulfill the call that he's given him. And I I just want to say, like, if you're tired out there, if you're a little run down, if you don't feel the energy that Paul has, may I suggest that you just spend some time thinking about, even talking about, maybe even singing about who Jesus is. You can feel Paul's energy because it starts from, this is who Jesus is. This is how I know him. This is what he means to me and to the world. As Paul describes Jesus, his energy and conviction builds and builds and builds. And so if you're tired, if you're run down, if you're near despair, if you're frustrated, if you're concerned, if you're anxious, find that solitude, step into silence, and then recognize and talk about to him, even praise him, and and articulate both in your mind and your heart, and even out loud, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus? Because the more we talk about him, the more we will love him. The more we recognize his greatness and his power and his majesty and authority, the more we will be convinced that we're okay, that he's with us, that he's before us. And if God is for us, who could be against us? So the challenge at the end of this episode of the hour is to spend some time in solitude, in silence, in prayerful contemplation, thinking about, praying about, and declaring the majesty lordship, the beauty, the grace, the peace, the love, the joy, the patience, the power of Jesus Christ. This has been the hour. I'm Pete Burak, we will see you next week.